Well, good morning, Redemption. It is super good to be back with you here today, bringing God's word after a few weeks off with my family. Much, much needed, uh, but again, great to uh, open up the Bible with you. You can get it turned to Acts chapter 4 right now. And as you are getting your pages turned there or your phone open or what have you, uh, I have this this kind of funny memory etched in my mind uh, from back when I was a kid. I was maybe 10 years old or so, uh, one, one year at summer camp. I remember, I don't know, it was like middle of the week or whatever, and, and I was in the dormitory area. So just picture a big, like basically like a, like a hotel hallway, a really long hallway with all kinds of rooms down the side. And I was at the, at the beginning of this hallway, and I was walking down to wherever I was going. And I remember in the far distance, probably like 100 feet away, I saw this other kid walking towards me. It was a guy that I had seen that week. He was a couple of years older than me probably, but I didn't know him. I hadn't had a conversation with him, uh, nothing at all. And so we were, you know, slowly but surely getting closer and closer to each other. And you know how you're sort of thinking like, am I going to nod to this guy? I'm going to say hi, or am I just going to keep looking forward or straight down? And you're trying to figure that out. Well, the really kind of interesting thing is that as we were walking together, Uh, right as we were just about to pass each other, both of us just instinctively put up the hand, gave each other a high five without uttering a word, without looking back, just, just kept walking forward. And I remember, I remember sort of laughing to myself and I've kind of done that throughout the years as I thought about this because again, kind of a weird moment, but, but an interesting one of this, this togetherness, this unity even that this guy and I had where somehow we were on the exact same page about this about this high five without ever having discussed it. We never saw each other in the dining hall afterwards and talked about that or anything. It was just something, again, last minute, both of us just knew exactly what to do. We had the high five totally dialed in. Now, again, kind of a weird example, and you're probably wondering where I'm going with all this, but I was actually reminded of that whole exchange Uh, with that guy uh, as I was reading our passage for today. Because as we'll see here, the early church in Jerusalem, uh, they experienced uh, what I think is, uh, could be seen as a very special degree of, of unity in their ministry uh, to each other and into the wider community uh, in their city. They were exactly on the same page together, the church was, uh, and... Um, and, and, and our passage here shows us uh, this great picture of how a, a unified local church operates. And so without further ado, let's read it right now. And, uh, and then I'll pray, starting in verse 32. This is Acts chapter 4. It says this. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the disciples or the apostles' feet. 
Uh, Father, as we read your word this morning, as we look at this, we see uh, the togetherness, the unity of this church. Lord, they were of uh, one heart and soul. They were on the same page. They were focused on the mission at hand. And Lord, it was a, it was a special thing for them to experience and live out. And uh, Lord, uh, I pray that for our church, Lord. I pray that we would have a unity in the spirit, Father. I pray that we would be unified around your word and in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Father, and, and that, you, that you would uh, use us in each other's lives in our church, God. I pray that you would use us in the surrounding community as well. Lord, teach us about these things. Grow us in, in grace, uh, we pray, in all of these matters. Uh, to the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, you've maybe noticed uh, that this passage has some real similarities to one that we looked at not too long ago, Acts chapter 2, actually, uh, verses 42 to 47. You can you know, flip back at that and look at it if you want to. Uh, but there we saw a church hitting its stride. That's how we framed it up, in that, in that they began to function, they began to operate as a church, a local church does. And here in our passage, in chapter 4, we see... Uh, the emphasis on really two major things. One, they one in how they expressed generosity towards one another in taking care of, of tangible needs among them, specifically with, with the poor in their midst. And then number, number two, there's a, an emphasis on their continued focus on the gospel and the Holy Spirit's work through it in their lives and in their ministry in Jerusalem. Okay, so with that, let's look at the very first one that I mentioned there. Here it is. A, a unified local church expresses a generous, what's mine is yours mentality. Okay, for this, take a look at verse 32 as we walk our way through these verses. And just remember, of course, that we left off, I know it was you know, three or four weeks ago now, uh, we left off with uh, Peter and John being persecuted for the whole healing of the lame man saga. And, and maybe more specifically, they were being persecuted for, for proclaiming Jesus Christ. They were pro proclaiming that it was Jesus that healed this man. They were proclaiming that salvation was found through Jesus Christ. The religious uh, authorities, they hated that message. And so because of that, they decided to, to, to imprison Peter and John. They, they questioned them. They, 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 they threatened them. And then, and then ultimately, not really being able to do much because they feared the crowds, they release Peter and John uh, back into their freedom, which, of course, motivated them to regather with their, uh, the rest of their local church and pray. Remember last time we looked at it, where they prayed for, uh, for boldness to continue carrying the gospel forward despite the threats that were coming their way. Okay, so verse 32 here gives us one of those snapshots that we see is pretty common in the book of Acts as we see kind of a zoom out picture of what, of what local church life uh, looked like after that. Okay, so verse 32, I said we're getting to it. Here we are. Okay, it says, Now the full number of those who believed, so these are the Christians, were of one heart and soul. Okay, so there's that, that unity uh, right there. Okay. They, were, they were on the same page. They were, they were dialed in and obviously more of a, of a powerful way than me and that other kid giving each other a high five and just kind of knowing what the other person was doing. Um, but, but it was in a deeper way. It wasn't just a, you know, an, an external unity. 
where, you know, where, where it was outward deeds that they happened to do together. It wasn't just that, but it was, it was deeper in the sense of their, their, their attitude and their mentality about those deeds that they were doing. Because it says here that they were of one heart and soul. Each of the, each of the believers in there, the full number of them. So it wasn't just a couple of them. It was, it was all of them. Which again tells us that there was this this deep bond, okay, this deep bond between these believers on, on a desire level, on a, on a passion level. They, they, they shared the same, same convictions and, and the same commitment to see something happen, to see some action carried forward. Okay, and here's what those actions were specifically. The rest of the verse, if you look at it, partway through 32, says that, uh, uh, says that no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. A very similar wording, actually, to, again, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, okay, and verses 44 and 45 specifically. Now with me for just a moment here, jump actually down, jump over verse 33, down to verse 34 as it continues this thought started uh, in verse uh, 32. Okay, we'll come back to verse 33 in a bit, I promise. But here's what it says. It says, there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, here's an example of that in the very next verse, verse 36. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, so you remember that guy, we're going to see much more of him. He was the guy that accompanied Paul on his first missionary journey. We'll see that in later chapters of Acts, okay? So this guy called by the apostles Barnabas, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, this is what he did. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so what this is showing us here is that those with more financial means than, than others, it means that they, they freely and generously shared their possessions, shared their belongings that they owned. And some of them, Barnabas being an example, even sold some of what he had to, to, to be sure to care for others in the church who uh, had greater need. I mean, that's awesome. And some of us here at, at our church in Redemption, myself included, my family included, have, have been the recipients of similar acts of generosity by people in our church. How great is that? I mean, such a great example of the love and the care that, that a local church body is to have uh, for each other. Hey, having an eye, looking around. Who, who, who are people around us that, that are in need that, and, and how can I maybe meet that need with what the Lord has blessed me with? And, and, and in them here, it was this, this Holy Spirit produced and, and driven unity of that one heart and, and one soul idea to live out this, you know, whatever's mine is yours type of a mentality. That's the attitude that they had. Now, it's really important here, I think, to, to recognize that the generosity that we see in these verses is voluntary. Okay? It's something you can tell. It's something that they actually and really wanted to do. 
Okay, they, they knew that Deuteronomy chapter 15 was about Israel caring for the needs of the poor and, and the needy. And so you can tell here in these verses, a guy like Barnabas specifically, they, they loved to. They were all about this. They couldn't, they couldn't wait to jump at this opportunity to care for other people who needed uh, their, their help. It was out of their love for Christ. It was out of their, their gratitude to, to him for, for his generosity to them in giving his very life for them, right? That was the idea. That was their motivation. Well, this is what Jesus did for me. Of course, I want to go and do this for other people. It's a, it's a joy to, to, to respond in a Christ-like way uh, in our local body. Okay, so their acts of generosity here was really an expression of their love for Jesus and their heart for the gospel. Like, wow, look, look at what Jesus has, has done for me and, and, and look what he has done for, for my family and so many of us here. What a privilege and, and, and what a joy it is that we get to serve and love others uh, in a similar way. Okay, so, so realize here as, you, as you're understanding this that this was not some kind of weird love communism uh, type situation going on. That's how I heard one author put it. I thought that was kind of funny. It's not a love communism thing. You know, so, so, so those with, again, the financial means weren't being forced here to do this. They weren't being forced against their will to divvy up their belongings, uh, to, to be spread out among people evenly. You know, it, it's not that they weren't allowed to, to privately own property or possessions or things like that. Okay, what we're seeing here is the people of this young church simply being transformed by grace. That, that, that's what God was doing in them. He was, he was trans, transforming them from the inside out and their, whole, their desires were, cha- were changing and, to, and lining up with God's desires. They were going from, from being, naturally speaking, in our flesh, primarily concerned uh, about self right? and, and their own interests and their own wants and just accumulating possessions and, and, and stockpiling wealth for my, for my own desires and my own kingdom building and everything that I would want for my own gain, that was being changed by the Holy Spirit. And to now, they were, they were primarily, as we see here, they're caring for other people, right? They're, they're putting the, the well-being of their community um, as, as, as prime. It's just, they couldn't wait to do it. They, they were being genuinely genuinely generous. I mean, what a beautiful thing. What an incredible thing. What a picture of the gospel in action in very, in very practical and in very tangible ways. Okay, so hey, as, as Christ is transforming you, as you are being sanctified, as the Holy Spirit is working in your life and, and as the Lord Jesus and who he is and what he's done, as that just becomes sweeter to your heart and your soul, how has that led you to be generous in the lives of other people, specifically uh, in our church? In what ways have you begun to adopt uh, a what's mine is yours mentality? And maybe you don't have this you know, stockpile of, of lands or houses to sell. Real estate's a little, uh, a little pricey around here, okay? So, so, so generosity for, for most of us, I think, will look a little bit different than that. Okay? But it could be something as simple as, as sharing your tools with somebody who needs to fix their broken fence. Okay? It could be something like, uh, like that or, or in how you give of your, of your time, 
You can be very generous to that. Time seems to be like the greatest commodity uh, these days. And so for maybe for you, it's like, hey, I'm actually going to come over to your house Saturday afternoon and, and help you fix your broken fence. Okay? Or, or maybe for you being generous, it's, it's, it's in your knowledge and in your expertise. Right? Here's, here's how to fix your broken fence. Okay, obviously, the, the examples of how to be generous are just, are just endless, and I would encourage you to get really creative about how to do that. And, and something to keep in mind here, and I, I don't want us to miss this in the text, is how there was such a strong communal sense of, of how this was all to be carried out. Okay, keep in mind all the different people in, in play here. Barnabas laid his money at the apostles' feet. Okay, so you've got the, the leaders of the church and the people of the church, and, and, and they're all involved and they're all working together in this. One heart, one soul. Okay, so listen, if there are some ways that, that you want to express generosity, uh, let us know about that. Hey, come, come talk to the leader. Send us an email. Give us a call. Send us a text. Let us know how it is that you might want to be generous uh, with people at Redemption. I, I remember even a long time ago hearing about somebody in our church, and she mentioned to me, she's like, hey, I'm actually a certified nutritionist. And so, so Pastor Mike, if you hear about somebody who's just struggling with their health and their diet and everything, feel free to point them my way, and I would love to just bless them by sharing some of the things that I've been taught and some of the things that I've learned. I was like, that's amazing. It's amazing that we would have people who would be so willing to be generous in that kind of way. It doesn't always have to be financial. It can be all kinds of things. And as I said, feel free to get creative with this. There's all kinds of unique abilities and, and skills and assets that you might have that you could use to sin sincerely, majorly bless those in need in our church. Right? Let us know so that we can work, in, uh, work together in all of this. When I hear about people's gifts and what people have and, and the desires that people have, we, we like catalog that and I file those things away so that when something comes up, I'm like, oh yeah, there is somebody in our church who actually can do that and would love to help you and bless you. Let's, let's, let's talk about these things together so that we can be uh, a unified local church and work to make this happen. Okay, last thing today. A unified local church experiences great power and grace through the gospel. Remember I said we get back to, to verse 33. Well, here it is. It says, And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And now take a look at that again. We'll unpack that a little more slowly, okay? And it says, And with great power... Now, whose power is that? Where did that power come from? Was that power their own? You know, it's not. It's, it's the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is providing that power for them. Specifically, in context, if we understand the verses before this, the Holy Spirit is giving them the boldness that they had just asked for. You might remember that they had, had just said, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. The Holy Spirit was, was honoring that request and was providing the power now for them to go and proclaim uh, boldly. Okay, so it says, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to, look at this, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. 
Okay, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a mouthful, but, but really all, of it, all it says is, all it really means is, is the gospel. Okay, that's what they were giving their testimony of, the gospel, how they had come to know uh, and love Jesus Christ. They're, they're boldly sharing there that Jesus is alive, that Jesus has risen, the grave is, is empty, that Jesus was Lord and Savior, that forgiveness was a gift extended to them because Jesus paid their penalty through the cross and, and, and triumphed over sin and over death when he rose. In the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, as it says there, they're proclaiming that they have been and people also can be reconciled to their maker. Peace is, it's amazing, peace is available now where judgment and punishment and condemnation once existed. And that's really the gospel. And again, I would just ask you and urge you, have you, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? Have you responded to the gospel by, by just realizing what Jesus has done for you, what God has done for you by sending his son to die, to pay your penalty, to, to, to take on the punishment of your sin that you deserved? And, and, and to die a sinner's death, even though he was perfect, he did all of that for you. And then when he rose from the grave, it was him defeating sin and defeating death and triumphing over it. That if we would believe in him, if you would just have, would have faith and believe that, that Jesus actually did these things and that it was for you while you confess your sin and to just admit all of that to him, you would be saved. Listen, have you done that? Can you do that? Today is just a simple prayer. Just admit your, your need for Christ as Lord. Admit your brokenness, that your sin is against him and trust him today. Listen, if you have any questions about that, reach out to one of us. We would love to, to walk you through and unpack that a little bit more if you still have questions, pray for you and, 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 and I trust be a real blessing to you. Hey, this is the gospel that, that we proclaim as a church. And, and this is the gospel that this church was proclaiming. We see this, you know, testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Okay, that was, that was the power right there. They were experiencing this, this great power in the proclamation of this. This is what the Holy Spirit was doing. And they were doing this together. They were very unified in this mission. Okay, but that's not really all. If you finish the verse there, it says that not just great power, but great grace or, or God's favor was upon them all. That's an amazing thing to think about too. Now, now realize here, I love those two phrases there, God's great power and God's great grace that you see in that one verse. Realize that they are the, the, the very causes of everything that this church was experiencing here in this passage. Power and, and grace, great power, great grace. They were the reasons why they could be so unified as a church together. It was the, it was the whole reason why they were of one heart and, and one soul and cared for each other so well. Great power and great grace were the reasons uh, they, were, they were able to proclaim the resurrection and evangelize so boldly and so fiercely as they ministered in times of just increasing persecution. They weren't able to do these things because they were superhero Christians that we just need to try harder to be like. No, they were regular people like you and I. It's that the Lord was pouring out great power. He, he was lavishing them with great grace. And that was exactly what was helping them and allowing them to be able to carry this out. Okay, so, so as I see that, and maybe you're seeing this too and kind of unpacking this and understanding it, my, my question as I look at this is, is okay, sweet, like 
that's amazing that this is what's happening here in Acts chapter 4. Now, how do I or how do we as, as a church tap into that, right? Or, or experience that same power and that same grace in our lives and, and in our church? Okay, well, understand that, that it all happens as you and I are anchored to the gospel, okay, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's the phrasing in this verse, right? That was the ultimate game changer for these apostles and these new believers in this church as they were deeply moved okay, and, and, and impacted by the truth that Jesus is God who came to save undeserving them, okay, which is the gospel in a nutshell, as they, as they absorbed that, that truth and, and that reality, God just continued to pour out more of his great power, more of his great grace on them so they could carry out the tasks and, and all the things that he had called them to do and, and, and be. Hey, well, so if we want to experience this same type of, of great power and, and great grace in our lives and in our church, it, it really happens as you and I are are moved by the gospel of Jesus Christ in our heart, okay, in our soul, in, in our mind as well. And so I would just simply encourage you today to see this, this, this absorbing of the gospel and this understanding of it and this pressing into it uh, as something that we get to do. It's something we get to do as believers as a don't don't look at it as something. Well, it's it's this burdensome thing. That, man, I mean, I mean, I got to do that. I got to read my Bible, and I gotta I gotta make sure that I tune into church, or 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 maybe even come to church next weekend. I mean, this is something that I I I have to do. What what what, what a what a hassle. Don't don't look at it like that. Look at this as something that 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 you and I we get to spend the rest of our lives unpacking the wondrous depths of who Jesus is. Right, of what he has done for us, what he continues to do in us and who we are in him. I mean, what a marvelous thing to be a part of as, as Christians, as a church. And listen, as that happens in us, as that happens in our community here, we're going to see God's great power. We're going to see it at work. We're going to see God's great grace. He's going to heap it upon us in, in a multitude of ways. We're going to see his, his power and his grace at work in us. We're going to see his work uh, and his power at, at work in other people as well. And, and as all of this is taking place, we'll become a, a deeply unified local church along the way. And of course, all of that to the glory of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Uh, for this time together, Lord, these uh, verses that encourage us and, and stir us and, and, and make us long for uh, you to move and work in our lives. And so, God, I pray that we would um, lean into you here today, Lord. I pray that we would humble ourselves where needed, Lord. I pray that we would cry out to you, Lord. I pray that you would stir our desires uh, to long for more of you, more of your power, more of your grace. Father, I pray that you would do that. I pray that we would be a, a unified local church here, God. I pray that you would protect us from disunity. God, I pray that you would protect us from getting our eyes and hearts off the gospel and onto other things that aren't nearly as important. Father, I pray that as we're in such a, a strange time in this pandemic, Lord, of course, and, and, and a lot of things in life and church and all of it just seem maybe extra difficult for us these days. Lord, I pray for 
for your great grace and your great power to, to just be unloaded on us even more. God, we are, we are needy people, Lord, and what a, no better place for us to be than in that position because it means that we can reach out to you, we can cry out to you, we can ask for more of you. So God, that is what we are doing. That's what we're doing as a church. We need more of you. We want more of you. And so God, do these things, we pray. We pray that you would do it to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.